and welcome to another very, always very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and a special guest that we will introduce in a moment. We are delighted to be with you. What a blessing. Every Tuesday night and replayed every Saturday. Just uh, a real grace to be united with you all in this way and to be able to do a woo. That's right. Uh, So, folks... The key to what we're really all about is we're striving. We're hardly there. We're here not because we went to school for certainly skills of communication or skills of broadcasting. Um, We are a husband and wife. We have six children. And uh, our kids, get this, folks, our kids have over 90 cousins. Now, what does that mean? That means that we've experienced just about everything this world has to offer. We've experienced the difficulties and tragedies through divorce, abortions, chemical and drugs and alcohol abuse. We've experienced the wide range of things culture has to offer. We're immersed in it. We're, we're, we're intimately connected to it. And uh, early on when Steph and I were uh, not even dating, but then into dating, leading ministry teams, um, we became all the more aware, particularly of Catholic young people, particularly of young people who went to Catholic schools and whose parents were faithful mass goers. We were aware of the poverty in their souls. We're aware of their yearning for more than, if you will, uh, just maybe conceptually knowing about God. They're yearning to know God. And um, truthfully, we encountered with their parents, godly parents who themselves were yearning for this kind of relationship that maybe just wasn't coming across by going to Sunday mass, by coming in for an hour and then maybe it didn't overflow into their marriages and homes. And uh, so as Stephanie and I, in our younger years, 20s, and then now I'm turned 50, my wife's many years away, Um, as as we've experienced now many many. decades of this, the, the story is somewhat the same. It's still the story of a people who are fashioned for God and his indwelling spirit, and Catholics in particular, who may be all the more frustrated because we, you know, we partake of religious activity. We go from event to event, and maybe we experience those great moments, if you will, at these events, but we're yearning to live it out. So if you went to our site, for instance, massimpact.us, it's a summary, really, of all this. Not another program, a way of life in Jesus Christ. By the way, we need to say it. We're not disparaging of programs. Praise God for Curcio and Chirp and Ignite. Praise God for Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Praise God for great books and media. All of this is awesome. But what we're really at the service of is trying to receive the grace of our church and live it every single day to discover each new moment. Think about this. What if each new moment could be seen as an ever deeper encounter? Each new moment. Not just those great moments on retreats, but that every place that we're at is the place God is active, is the place that he's working, is the most important place. It surpasses any of those other moments because it's where God is alive and present. Now, I'm just going to you know, raise my hand and in a moment we'll pray and say that is the most difficult thing. The most difficult thing is to see the ordinariness of this next moment as an occasion of ever deeper encounter with Christ. So I want to pronounce it for those of you listening tonight. Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever that moment has for you right now, whatever struggles or challenges or mediocrity or ordinariness, maybe some of you are just feeling depressed, feeling this kind of, when is this winter going to end? When is the snow going to end? When's the cold going to end? When's the darkness going to end? Maybe you're just kind of overwhelmed by a yuck or a blah. I have to pronounce it as all scripture pronounces it, as the lives of the saints pronounce it. God is with us. God is in those moments And he's wanting us to encounter him all the more fully. 
And that's what we're about. We're about entering into this great journey, this great adventure of God alive in each new moment, and he gives us the liturgy. It's a living retreat. We want to make it accessible. So a little commercial here. Um, We've got these great things called lit groups. Live it. Image the Trinity. We're called to image the Trinity. It doesn't take having a Ph.D. in biblical studies. It doesn't take having an extroverted personality. It doesn't take a lot of experience. It's simply thinking of people that you would like to, no more than 10, invite into your home for seven weeks beginning next week. February 4th. Can you think of three, four, five, maybe up to 10? If your couples, in our case, we're going to invite four couples, and many others are doing this, by the way. Who are those couples that you really like, you really resonate with, you maybe want to encounter Christ all the more powerfully? I'm telling you, invite them. Invite them to a weekly night that everybody agrees to for seven weeks to gather to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. Now, I'm going to give you the URL for this where you can find out more, and we are always here to encourage you and to mentor you. But that URL, the designation is massimpact.us forward slash lit leaders. Again, massimpact.us forward slash lit leaders. It's very easy to follow. And if you listened last week and you could hear the podcast at igniteradiolive.com, you'll hear great testimonies of people like you and me who are busy They've got a number of kids. They're running businesses. They, they have a lot of responsibilities. These are the folks like you and me who say, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. God gave us the time, brothers and sisters. We have the time. And there's nothing more valuable than making that time sacred. And this is a great way to do it a little bit before Lent and leading right up to Holy Week, seven weeks. And now we just kind of found out a new thing, by the way. The seventh week of this, we're all going to gather for an awesome Ignite. So while we're meeting in these homes... And you're gathering and talking and praying for six weeks. The seventh week, actually on Tuesday, May 20th, we're going to have a region-wide Ignite at Lourdes University. Just confirmed tonight. Beautiful chapel. Very excited. They're very excited about it. We're very excited about it. They're going to invite their student body. But it's open to the entire region, a region-wide, awesome, Lent version of Ignite. So let's um, begin in prayer And uh, welcome our guests. And tonight we're just really going to lift it up to God and seek his grace and more fully discover, you know, what he's doing in the ordinary. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we come before you as we are. You see us. You see our deepest selves. You see beyond the self we want to present. You see our poverty. And while the world wants us to hide that poverty, wants us to maybe uh, manufacture a quick remedy, a quick fix, you delight in that poverty because you yourself are the provision. So, Lord, give us a boldness and a humility in being okay with our poverty, emotional, relational, physical poverty, our need of you, God. Because if we're aware of it, Lord, we know that it points to you who are our provision. Lord, let the abundance of grace from your sacraments, from your body and blood in particular, overflow in this moment and through tonight and beyond this hour to make us all the more mindful that you fashioned us for your indwelling spirit and that you give us one another for that purpose to more fully and richly and deeply encounter you, particularly with our spouses and those in our family and those at our workplaces and schools. You've given us this custom-designed retreat for the sole purpose of an ever deeper intimacy, and encounter with you. We ask all of this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, folks, very, very blessed 
to have with us tonight a brother in Christ. We welcome Noah Gilchrist. How you doing tonight, Noah? So great. Thank you guys for having me. So excited. So, Noah, I have known as an awesome leader with the Catholic Youth Summer Camps and our audience. You folks are very familiar with the great work they're doing down there. You were familiar when they were nomadic and traveling around from camp to camp. And our kids kind of made that last year of being a nomadic group. And God profoundly blessed um, this community of missionary disciples, young missionary disciples with a camp, a locus in the center of this state, down by Columbus, $15 million campus. And they're, I don't want to say cycling through, but, you know, thousands of people every year, young people, grade school and high school people, Catholics, are more fully, fully encountering Jesus Christ. And we're blessed to be in partnership with them. You've heard uh, Dan and you've heard Aaron. You've heard a lot of that. Christy has been on air. And uh, Noah is is among the best. He is, we were blessed to have him at our house a couple weeks ago uh, as we were participating in this encounter event. And uh, uh, Noah's certainly one of my favorites, but uh, he is uh, a mentor to my son, Joseph, who looks up to him immensely. And um, it's just awesome, isn't it, for us parents? to have young adults Absolutely. that our kids can look up to and uh, that they admire and that you know are just godly men. So, Noah, pronounce for us just first of all what you're doing in this moment, and then we're going to go back to the very beginning because it's a very good place to start and want you to share with us your transformational story. So what are you doing now? Tell me about your family and your age and what's going on, and then we'll go back. Yeah, awesome. So I am a Damascus missionary. So what that entails is about everything. Um, we're doing a lot of different ministry with really just the youth, really uh, ages 11 through 25, and uh, with our retreat ministry, ministry. And then, of course, what most people know us for is our Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So in the summers, I'm actually a head counselor kind of in charge and also serving all of our counselors in the summer months. Um, so I, I'm 21 years old, and I am from the east side of Columbus. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm third in a group of six of us rambunctious kids in my family. Uh, awesome. So yeah, do they all do the others have awesome dreads like you though? That's a big question. They don't. None of them decided to take that leap. <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of the odd one out there. That's okay, awesome. Though. Or the cool one in. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Noah, one uh, scripture passage that speaks to all of us um, is Revelations twelve eleven, And in that passage, you know, we, we invite people, and even now, to think about, you know, does the enemy have influence? Is his power evident in clearly reading the papers? Um, and even in our homes and families and neighborhoods, we see that the enemy is active. We're told Ephesians six twelve, we fight not against flesh and blood. So the question that many of us maybe have is, well, how, how is this enemy going to be defeated right now? How are we going to go after this? And it says in Revelations twelve eleven, they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which of course is the Mass, the power of Christ's sacrifice in the Mass. But it doesn't end there. And by the word of their testimony. And we know one of our challenges is to encourage Catholics um, to share their story, to know that their story is powerful. It doesn't need to be that big, radical Paul conversion moment. But God is alive yeah. in the ordinary. And uh, we, so even tonight, folks, as you're listening, you know, as we ask Noah, to kind of just share his story of encountering Christ all the more. Just we encourage you as you're listening, folks, to just be attuned. Maybe the big story, maybe little moments, but find the opportunity to share with others God alive. So Noah, you're in the hot spot. Share with us how did Noah come to more fully know Jesus and and give your life so fully as to be a missionary for Damascus? Yeah, definitely. So like I said, I was 
uh, born third of six uh, on the east side of Columbus uh, to two great and just awesome loving parents uh, who actually did raise me raise me up in the Catholic faith, but I would say it's more of the nominal Catholic uh, faith that a lot of us know uh, growing up. And so I went to Catholic schools, K through 12. Um, but my, my prayer experience, we never missed a Sunday Mass, and we prayed before we, we ate meals. And then I prayed to make sure the Ohio State Buckeyes won against Michigan Very every important. year. Very important. It's and somewhere. to make sure that I scored the right amount of points uh, when I was playing basketball. And then also um, just prayed to make sure I got that test grade right, which was uh, not always common. But anyway, uh, yeah, so growing up, that was my prayer experience. And, of course, when that is your only prayer experience, you begin to see a lot of just the different things in, in the world as you get older and older. So um, growing up, you know, I just really I – was, I was kind of that kid that uh, ran with, with the, the in crowd at my, at my Catholic school and um, – Really wanted to just fit in and be everything to everyone, and um, grew up always with. I, my dad was a college basketball player, so I grew up playing basketball, and I was pretty good at it. And um, so I was, I, I was with that in crowd, and something really changed in my life um, for the way I viewed God in my eighth grade year. Uh, so in the fall of my eighth grade year, my dad began to get pretty sick, and about a month after he was getting sick, we found out that he had been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer mm. and this really shifted shifted my life um because the god that i uh, that i knew had my high state buckeyes win every year and the god that i knew um kept my family you know i'm i'm a classic blue collar suburban family and um really somebody that never really had any problems in life and so th- the god that kept my family safe and everything became a god that i didn't know mm. um and so as i as i moved forward I, I began to view this, this God as a person that didn't will my good. So if he didn't will my good, was he even real? And I began to ask these questions in my life and uh, ended up going to an all-boys Catholic school here in Columbus. And, um, again, wanted to be part of the in crowd. And because I had so much going on at home, I kind of wanted to distance myself from my family. Um, and so prayer really wasn't even this idea of prayer, this idea of God really took the back burner. It was, it was something I didn't really even think about at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really became basketball. And because I was at an all-boys prep school, it was really difficult in school. So I, uh, my, my life was basketball, grades, and then friends. And then when I had to see my family, I'd see them. And then when I had to get there on Sunday for an hour at Mass, I'd, I'd be there. Um, and, and so my life continued to go that way. And actually, my freshman year of basketball was, was pretty successful, and I enjoyed myself. And um, coming into my sophomore year, though, really my entire identity was placed in these, in these things. Of if, if I'm getting my good grade at school, then, then I'm a good person, and I'm doing uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. If I'm scoring X amount of points in basketball, then I'm a good person. I'm doing what I should be doing. And then if I'm the cool kid among my friends and even some of the girls in the class and in the, in the local schools, um, then, then I'm, I'm a good person that's doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so this cycle was just a real thing. And um, I actually, an, another big turning point in my life was I, I had tried out for my basketball team and my coach and I actually didn't get along very much, my varsity coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout that summer prior, I began to not go to as many events and go to, what I needed to go to because of the falling out I had with this coach. 
And so he actually decided to cut me for that year because, because I wasn't um, getting along with him and didn't see eye to eye with him. And that was absolutely life shattering. It was absolutely something that just like broke me because, and I remember even driving home and saying like, who am I? Mm. Like I, I, my grades aren't looking too good anymore. Um, at home, I have this, this issue with my dad that's, that's sadly passing away from cancer at this point. And, um, and then, and then uh, within my friends, I, I still had some of my friends, and so, and now I'm cut from the basketball team, so I'm not, a, I'm not the good person that plays basketball anymore. So it, it just became this kind of internal question of like, who am I, and and what am I, what am I made for? What am I meant to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I latched onto the last thing I had at that point, because like I said, God took the back burner a while ago. So I latched onto the last thing, which was friends. So I really started getting in. Um, to hang out with my friends as many days as I could, just to really get away from my really get away from my home life, um, so that I didn't have to deal with what was going on there. And so I began to spend all of my time with my friends, and even began to meet um, a lot of different people. And my heart really changed that that year, probably for the worst. Um, I, I ended up transferring high schools later on that year, but um, yeah, really just got involved in a lot of the uh the the party scene and a lot of impure relationships um because that was where i found all of my identity was who i could be at that party or who i could be with this particular girl um and that summer was just a summer of uh in between my sophomore and junior year a summer of just a lot of worldly um curiosity a lot of worldly things just happening and and me just enveloping myself in the world um, through these friendships and through these impure relationships. And and so that summer, my dad um, actually had passed away, and that that took a toll on me. Um, Again, not for the better, though. I actually ended up spending a lot less time away, like, from my family because I didn't want to deal with the fact that I had a family at home that was really struggling. Um, And so these separated, I just continued to separate myself and um, yeah, just to the point where I was really on the weekends, I was living at my friend's houses. And then during the school week, I was technically home, but I was in, in the room studying and yeah, I didn't really see them at all. And at this point, my, my view of God's nature of who he was, was really non-existent. I didn't really believe in him, in him at this point. Um, and I lived a life that was of the belief that he was not real. Mm. Um, so Yeah. No, let me pause you a second, if I I could. This is just very um, powerful, and I thank you for for sharing and want to hear the rest of it. But the moment of you, I presume, perhaps still going to Mass and certainly having those roots of a family with parents who cared with the tragic loss, certainly of your dad, but the fabric of your parents and such is still faith. So did you feel, I presume if you were still going to Mass, did you feel kind of a, a sense of hypocrisy? How did you rationalize or how did you deal with kind of this duality of being in the midst or the presence of religion and faith stuff, but really kind of under the hood doubting it? Yeah, so I just, the way I thought was, I think it's pretty common. Um, mm-hmm. I So I really wasn't believing, like I said, I wasn't believing any of this stuff. Um, but what I saw was my friends who weren't going at all. So I was able to rationalize it and say, even though I was being forced to go to Mass by my family, I was able to rationalize it and say, well, I'm still a good person because I'm going every Sunday, and that's enough. And I even actually, I was sharing this with 
some of the guys, as I've just been reflecting on my own testimony and seeing the way the Lord's blessed um, my life and blessed those around me, um, is that I actually remember being within the party scene and the next morning waking up, and, and I would even see some of my older teachers, even some of my family members at Mass, and saying they'd be so, I, I remember saying to myself, all these teachers or this family member would be so proud of me because even though I'm living this lifestyle that really doesn't believe anything, um, I, I'm still showing up. I'm still doing the thing that I have to do, um, even though I don't believe it at all. Um, and a lot of my my own character was just at that time just to please people. And so it was this weird um, self-justification of, you know, I don't even believe any of this, but I'm doing the right thing. And so in this place in my life, I'm doing. I'm going to the building, and and people are proud of me in that way. And with everything else going around, this gives me some some sort of pride that I'm I'm you know I'm doing this one thing right. If so, that makes sense. So you're at a classic point that maybe many of us have been at or are at. Of God, I I don't even know if I trust in you enough or believe in you enough to know that to ask you to conquer me, or that there's more to it than just obligation or duty, but. Um, many perhaps in that place of inheriting religion and faith, maybe even being good people and not doing that life, but God, is there more to it than this? So take us further. Yeah, so moving forward, um, like I said, I had transferred schools at this point, and I was going to kind of the co-ed school that all of my grade school friends had gone to, and so um, I really knew a lot of people, and but I was still living this life, and so I, I really was busy on the weekends, Um but at all Catholic schools, you have to take 24 hours of service every year. You have to take these 24 service hours, and a lot of them are super easy to get, but because I was just, like, kind of wasting my time staying busy with all the wrong things, I never ended up getting my service hours. So last second, there was an opportunity to go on the March for Life. Um, and that was, believe it or not, I don't know how this this still blows my mind that you can get service hours for going to the March for Life and getting out of school for I wasn't days, going to say it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I got to get out of school for four days and get all of my service hours done. And so there was no better, like, there was no easier option right? for me than to get my service hours in, in uh, air quotes for for the year. So. Ended up going on this trip, and all of my punk friends and I, we all went on this trip, and we're thinking we're just going to go, we're going we're gonna to take a few steps, we're going to walk a mile, and then we're going to come home, and everything's going to be great. Mm. Um, forgetting that it was going to be four days, and so we didn't even really account for the time. So when we showed up, uh, we, we got there, and we got into where we were sleeping, and then we went downstairs, and to our dismay, we found out that this thing was an actually it was an actual retreat, <laughs> and so at that point we were like, "We're in for it. This is bad. We're going to sit in the back corner, and everything's going to pass over. And then we're going to do the the walking, and then we're going to get our paper signed for our service hours, and everything will be home. We'll, everything will be good. We'll get home. We'll be safe and sound, and we'll never have to do this again." <laughs> and so we show up, and really one of the first people I met, I shook his hand and kind of looked into his eyes, and just a precursor, I hadn't met, I had some really awesome uh, family members, like cousins and uncles, that were into their faith. Um, but there was just, I don't know, I think when you're with your family, you kind of... Disqualify. You, you can, yeah, you disqualify it as like, oh, well, that's just them. Um, and I remember shaking this man's hand and looking into his eyes and being completely disarmed. Mm. Mm. 
and being completely, and I was always one to give an explanation as to why this didn't work or that, or find one fault in that person that makes their faith disqualified. Um, but I looked into this man's into this man's eyes and was completely disarmed. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, this was the first man that I think I ever saw that was fully living an authentic Jesus lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And he was Catholic, and he was he was probably ten years older than me. Uh, and it was just, it absolutely rattled me and I'll, and I'll never forget it. Um, and his name is, you guys know him, Dan Demite. So, oh, um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I was wondering. So, yeah, so it was, it was Dan Demite and he was running this retreat and, uh, yeah, we kind of just, we, we hit it off really well. And I, I could tell that he genuinely cared about me. Um, and that he genuinely like thought, thought well of me when a lot of those, a lot of people in my life really did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this retreat continued on, and praise and worship was happening, and I didn't know what to do with my hands, and it was just an all kind of crazy Without a basketball in them anyways, huh? Exactly. That's, a, that's what I wanted to do. But, uh, yeah, so the, the weekend happened. This was the, really the first time I had ever experienced adoration. Um, and, again, another time when I was just completely disarmed, where I went to sit down, and uh, I kind of have a little bit of ADD, so I can never, I'm always kind of distracted, and really I sat down and peace came over me for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time when I was really trying to rush through everything to forget the fact that, you know, in the last year my father had passed away, I was cut from the basketball team, you know, just these different things. Mm-hmm. And for the first time I sat down, felt this peace come over me, and then felt the ability to actually think through and be healed of my father passing away mm-hmm. and be healed of the wounds of um, rejection through getting cut from the basketball team. And the Lord just began to slowly work in me. And I was not by any means perfect on this trip. I was still being a little bit of a punk. Um, but I got back and something was radically different. And what was cool was that my three best friends who went on that trip, who were also uh, kind of running the same way I was running, uh, they all had this encounter with the Lord that was very unique. Mm. And so we all came back together and begin to talk about it, um, but because we were living such a, a lifestyle that was detrimental and intense and every weekend doing something, um, we, we kind of just didn't know what to do. So we encountered this person of Jesus, and we were kind of, after that, we were like, all right, this guy's pretty awesome. He's, he's disarmed us. He's put us at peace. We don't know what to do next. Uh, and, and two weeks later, uh, we knew the local youth group where, where Dan Demite was. And so we, we went over there, and it was actually a night on, like, completely on hope, mm. just on the, on the subject of hope. And Dan Demite's sister gave a talk that completely, completely changed uh, just everything for me. Wow. That, there, that even in the midst of all these different things that have happened in my own life, this God has a hope for me mm. in my own life. And, and it gave me this this sense of purpose for the first time that I probably hadn't had in five to six years at that point. Uh, and so, so that night radically shifted my mindset. It put me into a belief that there was a God that loved me and that cared for me and that willed my good. And, and moving forward, things just began to change. Uh, I began to be able to get out of my different friend groups uh, that were kind of holding me back. I was able to say no to partying for the first time and, and never went to a party until this day. Um, and 
and and then all the different you know internal sin in my life that I, that I thought was private began to disappear uh, here and there through the first time of a powerful, truth-filled confession. Mm. Um, and so the Lord just began to do kind of these different small things in my life and put me in in positions with people uh, that really were there to love me and to take care of me and to walk with me um, and to teach me how to read the Word of God and to show me what the Mass was really for, and then to show me how to love the people uh, that were in a place that I just was about a month before wow. before that. Uh, and so God really just was, was about an incredible work uh, in me right away uh, in that junior year of high school. Mm. Noah, while we're in this, uh, in this space of the Spirit speaking to us through you, convicting us that this life that God calls us to is not only can be, but is meant to be full of vitality and authenticity and relationship and encounter. And many need to be, need to have that proven to them right now. Many are listening, young people who are, you know, desperately wanting to know, God, where are you? I want to experience this encounter. Maybe parents who are saying it themselves, but maybe saying, you know, hey, my kids are like that, like Noah. You know, I know they're just going to mass because we make them and the light bulb hasn't gone on. I just want to, I don't want to miss the opportunity. So right now I'm just, let's open the door and I want to invite you to lead us in prayer for that young soul right now and for the parents who may be yearning for it themselves, but uh, just for a, a deeper encounter with Christ that is true and authentic. Would you do that for us right now? Yeah, definitely. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God that keeps your promises. Mm. And Father, right now, I just ask that, that every soul come to you, yes. that, that the, far off, uh, the far off high schoolers in our life, the far off, um, maybe, maybe some of us that are, again, just having children that are, are far off and that don't, don't really want you and that are even seeing... Um, seeing people in their lives that are living the faith but aren't able to understand it. God, I just pray for uh, a clarity over their lives. Uh, I pray for new, new eyes to see, to see you in the authentic uh, people, to see you in the people that are really living for you. And God, I just pray right now that you instill a new hope in the parents of these kids. I, Father, I pray that you just instill a new hope in these local high schoolers. Father, I pray that you instill a new hope in each and every one of us, mm-hmm. that you are a God who's, who keeps his promises, that we know that when you ask, you don't just give us a, you don't give us a stone, but you give us you, you give us your love. Mm-hmm. Come Holy Spirit, Father, I just thank you again that you are a God who says that all of your promises are yes and amen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, we want this grace to continue to flow and flood with Noah with us. As we continue this story, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we have Noah Gilchrist, a missionary with Damascus, just shared with us, sketched for us his story coming from a good Catholic family, and uh, his dream, basketball, being taken away from him his senior year, and his father uh, suffering from cancer and losing his father right out of high school and uh, going on a trip. 
unlikely of circumstances, the March for Life, and while there encountering one young man who who loved God enough uh, to look him in the eyes and to bring that authenticity and reality to him that was life-transforming. And I also hear another theme in here which is absolutely important, and that is the importance of surrounding ourselves with those people who share that that um, desire to know God, that desire to, to be in fellowship and to be praying with one another, we absolutely cannot do it alone. Steph, did you have some? No, I was just going to ask you, Noah, um, during the time or right afterwards when you uh, came back to the Lord, so to speak, um, what was going on in your family? Could they, were they... I'm sure they were excited. Were they shocked? Did they buy it? <laughs> was your mom like just praising the Lord? Like what was what was going on under the roof? You had said previously that you tried to avoid them at all costs, you know, just distanced yourself. Um, give us a snapshot of that aspect of your story. Yeah, so I actually forgot to share some of this as I was just getting caught up in everything that's happened in my life. But my family at this point, actually, especially after my father had passed, um, began to also drift away from the Lord, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my, and so my mom was was in this place of just deep grief mm-hmm. for what for for of course losing her husband. Mm-hmm. And my older older brother and older sister really um, began to seek fulfillment in in just again worldly things. Um, my my brother and my sister both in in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, ha- I have a younger sister who's two years younger than me, and then a yo- another younger sister who's about ten years younger than me, and then a younger brother who's about eleven years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So we're a big we're a big spread, and um, yeah, it was it was this time of of drifting away from the Lord, and we were kind of all drifting away from the Lord after my father had passed. And so when I had this um, reversion, mm-hmm. it was it was kind of it, it shook. It shook our family, and it, and it made a lot of different people think. Mm. Um, so, so while my mom was happy that I was making better decisions and not getting in as much in as much trouble, she was also not fully understanding of what was happening, and mm-hmm. um, and I was trying to explain it. But in being so young in the Lord, I was, you know, just saying what I knew and testifying to what I had experienced. Um, so at that time, my sister, who was two years younger than me, she's we're, we're extremely close, and she's doing mission work right now in uh, in India and Africa. Awesome. Yeah, she's absolutely incredible. Um, she was very much going through the similar things that I were that I was going through in in kind of drifting away from the Lord and, and partying and different things. And and when I had my reversion, she saw the the real difference in me. And actually, like, began to ask a ton of questions. That's awesome. And we would ride every day to and fro to school together. And she would just, she would ask all these questions. And I was listening to, you know, these Catholic podcasts and all these different things. And she was, she was one, really confused, but then really curious mm-hmm. and really knew. She knew me probably better than anyone else at that time knew me and really just wanted to know what was going on. And so about two months later, we had our, or two, two or three months later, we had, like, our, our winter-slash-spring retreat. And I really couldn't answer any more of her questions because I didn't know what the heck was happening either. Hmm. And so I just invited her onto this retreat, and she encountered the Lord very powerfully on that retreat. Hmm. And so uh, her name's Stella. Stella and I really just became these missionaries in our household um, for the next year and a half until I graduated high school and 
moved forward. And That's so awesome. Yeah, we became these little missionaries in our house that didn't know what we were doing, but knew that Jesus was Lord and we needed to share him with people. And so any real way that we could, we just began to evangelize in our own home. That's awesome. Which was a really unique time. So we're talking really just a few years ago. I mean, this occurred really in the time since Stephanie, you and I have been in Toledo area, which is kind of remarkable. And we know Damascus and St. Paul's Outreach and a lot of great things were culminating down in the Columbus area, the heartland. And uh, I see that NET came on the horizon. You um, found your way. Tell us about the difference NET made in your life. Yeah, so I absolutely love NET Ministries, and I was able to, um, as soon as I had that conversion, I had people in my life such as Dan Dimite and a few other local people who really, uh, who served on NET, and I saw the way they were living their life. And so really anything, anything that could make me be a better Christian, I wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I ended up going, going to serve with NET, uh, and with just a, a burning desire to, to know the Lord more and to evangelize. And, and really, Net taught me the kind of just the ground rules and the ground base of and structure of what a Christian life even looks like. I love to explain that as just an encounter with the Christian life. Mm. Um, and so in these first two weeks of kind of training, what, they, what happens is, believe, believe me, um, a lot of people don't, don't believe this when I say this, but they take your cell phones away for two weeks, <laughs> and you go to a camp— and you have you don't have your cell phones. You have no no cell service, nothing. And you're just with with the Lord. It's you and Him, and in this massive community of about 150 people. Awesome. Um, and they really teach you how to pray with with Scripture. They're they're hitting what what they call prayer lab, which is Lexio Divina, and teaching us how to do that each and every day. Um, and then just how to grow in community, how to give your testimony, how to how to give talks, how to talk about the Lord when you're at the gas station, how to Talk about the Lord when you're on a retreat. Um, it's just so, it's so focused on its name, which is National Evangelization Team Net Ministry. So, how to evangelize the nation, and um, the Lord just works so powerfully. And I was I was assigned to the one and only high school team, and so I was at a high school, able to uh, just minister to kids and, um, you know, play basketball with them, just relational ministry and. Um, really bring them bring them into the relationship with the Lord that I was able to experience so powerfully in high school myself. So it was a very unique unique experience and really I, I attribute um, net for what the Lord did in that time with me. Um, just teaching me what it looked like to, to seek his face in the morning, teaching me what it looked like to bring people to him throughout the day. Uh, and yeah, it was just such a beautiful time in my life. That's awesome. No, no, I think a lot of folks like to attach adjectives to the word Catholic, like to compartmentalize types of Catholics, and like to base them on personality and, you know, that sort of thing, Um, traditional Catholic and charismatic Catholic and whatever. Um, So, you know, our audience, we've been really endeavoring to simply say, Lord, what have you revealed to be true? I want it all. I want all that you desire for me. I want to open my heart, my mind, and my soul to the fullness of your grace and your presence. And a key part of that um, 
has really been understanding more fully what it means to be uh, open to, to the Holy Spirit and outpouring of the Holy Spirit and really live a life in the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? You know, you've heard, we've all heard the analogy, if you will, or the, the illustration of the chocolate at the bottom of the milk, and it's there from the mm-hmm. sacraments. and needs to be stirred up, which I think is really a usable uh, analogy. And I think many people are afraid, quite frankly, maybe because they've experienced a little bit uh, off the rails of the crazy train uh, with certain yeah. terms associated with being life in the spirit or we're afraid of what that means and and truthfully there ought to be a healthy acknowledgement of our need um to uh be anchored in what church has revealed from the very beginning all of that said clearly um this is the 25th no 50th anniversary of uh the uh event that took place at duquesne in 1967 with ralph martin and uh, a new uh pentecost a new outpouring of the holy spirit that you know really infused steubenville which reached throughout the the world net was one of the organizations that was profoundly influenced by this and i think an example of one that faithfully seeks again what has has christ revealed through his church so i'm bringing the question to you just to share raleigh what is your insight certainly from net in your life what is your insight of the importance as Catholics to be open to um, this anointing of the Holy Spirit, and how do we live it authentically? Yeah, Greg, I love that you mentioned um, just the different types of Catholics. And the way I love to explain myself as a Catholic is I'm just a Jesus Catholic. <laughs> so I just want, I just simply Catholic. want to do what Jesus did and live the way that he lived. And when I read the Word of God, when I read Scripture, I see a man who, who sought uh, his father every day. I see a man who healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons, cleansed lepers. Uh, and I saw a man that just, above all else, loved. And I think in my own life, what I've seen is before this life in the Holy Spirit that I, that, uh, I now walk in, I was always trying to give an explanation to, to, the, to the faith, because that's what I saw. Um, that's in Scripture, too. And I, I always wanted to give an explanation of the faith, and I wanted to demonstrate the gospel, and I wanted to... I just wanted to bring people to Him, and I, that's, that's my only thing I ever want to do in my life, is just bring people to, to the endless love that is Jesus. Amen. And what I found is that after being equipped in the Holy Spirit... I'm much more able to bring people to him, and it's on—it's just honestly a lot easier that I can I can walk up to people and not have to worry about my explanation because I know that the Father has something a lot bigger for for that person that I ever could, and so all I need to do is listen to him. Noah, was that a clear moment for you? Was that a a moment of encounter? And explain for us like what what that means for the average listener out there. Yeah, so are you talking about personally in my own Yeah, life? just uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit to, um, you know, the word baptize in the Holy Spirit's applicable. It's a Catholic phrase. Um, was there a specific moment when you were, quote-unquote, baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we're taught, by the way, can, is, is ever-deepening? We can be baptized again and again and again. Mary Healy teaches with the Church's voice very often on that subject. But what was that like for you, and was it really clear before and after? Yeah, so I've had so many different... Um, experiences. I'm so blessed to be able to encounter the Lord in that way so many different times. But really the first time was during that two-week beginning of, of that net training, um, during my year on net. And I was actually struggling um, with particular uh, sin in my life that just really I was not able to get, get rid of. It was just this habitual sin. And so when we had the night where we prayed for um, 
a release and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, my small group leader was kind of leading us, and our whole small group was there, and we were sitting in a circle and praying, and I was actually kind of seeing these different physical manifestations around the room of, you know, people um, resting in the Spirit, or these just different different mm-hmm. manifestations. And I remember praying and desiring the Lord to just kind of encounter me in that way, and then prayer was over, and I kind of didn't experience anything physically, nothing. And I, I it was like, it was it was absolutely I I didn't experience anything at all. Um, I I kind of just took that time as some people that gave me some really encouraging words. But what happened after that was specific habitual sins that were in my life had had not even occurred as a temptation anymore to this day. That's awesome. And so I was actually freed in a very radical way from some of these habitual sins. Um, and and to this day, I would say that experience was probably one of the the most important and biggest experiences I had ever had in my life because I was freed from sin that was hindering me in a deeper relationship with the Father. Mm. And so it was this radical, radical turning point that that wasn't anything crazy, but was just a prayer that the that the Holy Spirit fall on me and that I be convicted of His love, the fire of His love. And, and from that moment forward, I was able to step out of that sin and really never fall into that particular sin in my life again. Praise God. And, it, and, awesome. and then I've had many different moments since then um, of being prayed with and experiencing God's love in such a powerful way mm. that's enabled me to go deeper and deeper and deeper and um, really just given me a, a, a hungering for His presence even more. Um, but yeah, just a very unique experience at first that I'm so grateful and thankful to the Lord for each and every day. That is so awesome. I have to just give a very brief testimony because often we can think that this manifestation, this power of the Holy Spirit is limited to these great events or these people or that amazing priest or, or whatever. And, and it's, it's hard for us, I think, as Catholics to look in the mirror and say, God works through a schlep like me. You know, and God wants to manifest himself. And all of that's the testimony, in my experience, of anybody like yourself who's talked about this. It's, it's God wants to work. The only ability he requires is that availability, that yearning, that earnestness to saying, God, you know, I really want to be all in for you. I, I want an outpouring of your spirit in my life. I say yes to you. So, folks out there, I just encourage you not to diminish the importance of even tonight before you go to bed. If you're yearning for that, pray for that. So here's my testimony. Just last week we had, we've been trying to get together together with a couple in the church and three beautiful little girls. And uh, we, we see them at Mass, and we just have a delight when we be CYO sports and such. And they're younger than us, but we just they have such a joy in their heart and in their smile. So um, the dad couldn't make it, but the mom came with the three daughters. And uh, after supper, the, the sixth grader came and sat with me and just had all these wonderful little reports and little conversation with me and was so confident. And in the context of that, we were talking about prayer and talking about Jesus, and it was just neat that she had a comfort with that, but we're talking about the fact that God wants to work in power. She's bringing this up, and she's saying, you know, God God does amazing things, and he is powerful, and I'm listening and saying, this, you go, girl, it's awesome. And I, said, have you ever, and I said, have you ever had an experience like that? And she said, yes. She said, very recently, they had been with, I want to say it was a relative, I'll get the details wrong, but I got this right, uh, somebody who had a serious skin disease, and they didn't just pray for them. They didn't just pray with him. They prayed over him. And by God's grace, they witnessed the physical healing of the skin disease right then and there. 
which was like wow. for this sixth grader. So there are a lot of levels there, but the main thing is for our listeners or whatever is, you know, obviously in Scripture, right? God says you'll do even greater things than you saw me do. And many of us like mm-hmm. are just amazed. We're spectators. But, you know, another time, another place, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we've given testimony of this on this program. But um, this is the work that the Father does and wants to do through us for the ultimate work of transformed lives, uh, of encountering them all the more. So, um, Noah, so share yeah. with us right now. We're, we're blessed to be in partnership in this, this state and see, I think, reverberations of a spiritual earthquake truly taking place throughout this state. And um, Catholic Youth Summer Camp Damascus, we're blessed uh, to be partnering partner, up here. You've got Matthew Kelly down south. But there's a common spirit that's moving us all together. What are you seeing here as a missionary at Damascus? What's going on? Yeah, so it's actually been awesome. We just created a new program. So obviously... Throughout Catholic Youth Summer Camp this summer, we had about 1,700 kids come through and experience God's love in a powerful way. And now what we're really moving into, because here here at Damascus, which is the home of Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we are called to awaken and empower and equip uh, the generation of Catholics to to pursue the Lord. And um, So what, what Catholic Youth Summer Camp has kind of been is this awakening and empowering. And what we've just released and what we've really, we're really excited um, to do again here soon in a few weeks is our is our Catholic Youth Winter Camp, uh, and so Winter Camp is a time of equipping. So, like I said, as we had Catholic Youth Summer Camp Awaken and Empowering, we have Catholic Youth Winter Camp that is solely focused on equipping um, the young Catholic to walk out their faith in their schools and just every sphere of influences, families, sports teams, uh, local community. And so, uh, we just had our middle school Winter Camp about two weeks ago, where we had about 90 kids. Um, come of their of their own free will. No one was forcing them, and they really just wanted to come because they were hungering to share their faith with those around them, with all their spheres of influence. And so we had two beautiful nights of adoration, and the first night we really focused on um, repentance, and the next night uh, kind of just turning back to God, and then the next night really about His Spirit that dwells within us and how to live out uh, His Spirit in our world. And then the last day, we really focused on the practical, the, the setting the goals of how are we going to go home? Are we going to start Bible studies at our, at our school during lunch and recess? Are we going to uh, decide to pray before we start our practices with our sports teams? Are we going to decide to pray with our families? Uh, and not just the, the every, I love the rosary, but not just the, the family rosary, but actually um, surrounding um, ourselves with the presence of God and, and learning how to pray the rosary. Um, and not just saying rote prayers, but actually enter into the mysteries of Christ. Uh, and so that was a really exciting time with, with our middle school winter camp. And then coming up here in about two weeks, we're going to have our high school winter camp um, where we're going to be able to go even deeper and teach these kids practicality on um, how, they, how they, we understand that we need to be in our identity as sons and daughters of, of the Father, but what does it actually look like day in and day out to be in our identity? And then how do we live from that identity and still contend for revival in our Catholic schools and in our families and our sports teams and our local communities? So we're going to have some awesome breakout sessions where we're teaching these, these, uh, these, young, these young teenagers how they can really change their school and how they can bring Christ more fully into their lives each and every day. That's so awesome. You know, especially if we know what it's like as adults or older people or whatever the challenge that it is in the day-to-day stuff, right? And everyone's at a different point Mm -hmm. 
on the journey, so to speak, and, you know, a few steps back, a few steps forward. And we know the impact that these conferences or retreats or this or that can have in our lives. How much more so for young people to have something like that, to recharge them, to show them, to instruct them, to have that support around. Um, Certainly the summer camp is beyond awesome, but how wonderful to, you know, be able to do that in these these days of winter. God bless you guys for that uh, Mm -hmm. movement of the spirit and responding so beautifully. And I guess you have a yeah. you have a punk kid leading worship from up north, uh, so you know all, multiple prayers for you guys. Teasing, I think Joseph's coming down there for some weekend, isn't he? I don't know something. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to have Joseph here. It's yeah. going to be awesome, and I think he's going to be such a good um, just example that that faith is able to be lived each and every day in in the high school um, in the high school realm, and just being you know Joseph's so young but so on fire with the Lord. Um, and he's just taught me so much as I've begun to know him. So we're really excited for him to, to be down here and leading worship with us and leading these kids into a deeper encounter with Jesus Christ. So, um, Noah, give us a sense. You're, you're very um, fulfilled right now, and I think it's an important thing. I said it to my kids the other day, not not to wait and think that God's grace is going to be, you know, uh, it's all special. Every new moment is special. You don't need to wait to be married or to become a priest or, or consecrated religious or whatever the case is. Now is that moment where God wants to work. And that's a perspective, I think, um, adults maybe acquire later on. Um, that this is that moment, and God is working powerfully in that moment. Um, so for you, though, what are you thinking about your life? In, in You know, is this the big picture? How is God speaking to you? And I'm also kind of tapping, Noah, some sense for those who might be your age along the lines of discernment. You know, what are you learning about just the whole uh, importance of discernment? You know, what are some keys to discernment and knowing God's will in your life? Yeah, so first thing I would say is that uh, we are wasting our time if we worry. And so I even just, I just came out of a time um, of about a month of discernment on what I was going to be doing this coming year. So I'm actually blessed to be able to um, be on for another year with Damascus um, in, in, a, in a realm of leadership that I don't quite know fully yet. Um, but what was so funny was about a month, or about, about two months ago, um, I was entering into this time of, God, what do you want me to do for this next year? Because I only want to do what you want me to do. Um, this is no longer about me. Um, I, I just want to do what you want me to do. And I had this, this worry that was on my heart, and I even remember writing in my journal you're going to laugh when this is all over because you worried and you wasted so much time when you know that he's so good and he always keeps his promises. And I spent a good amount of my time in discernment kind of in this, in this worry of like, what if I'm left out to dry? What if I, you know, leave this year uh, and I'm really, I I have nowhere to go. And um, those are just all, all lies that are not the truth of who our father is. Um, and so at the heart of it, I would just say no. Know that the Father is good and that He wills for you to prosper and that He keeps His promises. Um, and and, and it was, it's been such a beautiful time in, these la- in, the, in this last month when I was discerning um, just to really be close to the Father and just be with Him and spend so much time with Him. And so I'd say, I'd say the, the one big pillar is, is prayer making sure you're spending every time, every day, uh, spending some time to know his voice, to know what his voice sounds like, 
uh, and to know what his voice doesn't sound like. Um, and those are just, those are, that's so important when it comes to our own discernment. And then I would also just say be an active discerner. So don't, don't sit around and kind of also there's, there's, there's a sphere of God, you love me so much. Uh, you are so good. You're never going to let me down. Therefore, I'm going to sit there and just kind of wait and see what happens. Mm. And then there's the discernment of God, you're so good. Um, your nature is so good. You're never going to let me down. But I need to continue to look into things, and I need to continue to see what your hand's over. And, um, so I would just say, wherever your heart is, look into those things. If you're getting a heart to minister to those um, who, are, who are not in the fullness of faith, those, our Protestant brothers and sisters um, in the fullness of the Catholic Church, then look into ministries that are working with uh, ecumenism and, and working in the ecumenical realms. If you're somebody that has a heart for the poor, look into places um, that Catholic ministries that are serving the poor. Um, just just be an active discerner and trust the dreams that the Father has placed on your life, but be active in those dreams and see places in which he's, he's trying to play that out and take that next step. Beautiful. Noah, thank you so much for joining us tonight, folks. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live over the five stations of Annunciation Radio, and we're blessed tonight to be talking uh, with Noah Gilchrist of Damascus uh, about a transformed life, that our God loves us so much. Truly, those words are too easily said, right? They can become cliché. But it is the fundamental truth, and maybe right now some of us, you know, just need to know that, need to know His love, um, that He fashioned us for Himself, He fashioned us for a great life in Him, and that there is a path that He's dotted for us if we seek it out, if we uh, if we open our hearts and our minds with one another to recognizing there's so much more to this life than maybe the way we've been living. So let's close in prayer tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus. We again proclaim you as Lord, which means overall, you fashion us for yourself. You fashion our marriages and our families to give you glory. And you want this region to radiate with your love. So we give you permission tonight, Lord, all the more to flood us with your grace and to claim this world for you. In your name we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.